This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Again, your calls are primary if you make them. In the meantime, we'll continue uh, what we began over the weekend. I didn't honestly think I'd get to finish Sam's email that we started on Saturday night, but it was good enough to blow up the phones and the calls never stopped coming in, so... I figure we will continue uh, his conversation. This uh, Again, Sam from Texas, uh, Obscured Truth Network. Sam has been conversing with some of the elected officials here in our very own Keene, New Hampshire. As you know, if you've been listening to the program, Sam is a Free State Project member, and he is intending to uh, – he's also a uh, first 1,000 mover, so he's going to be one of the first 1,000 activists to be living here in the state of New Hampshire. Uh, so he should be here by the end of the year, and as he prepares his, uh, you know, as he prepares to get here, uh, he will, or he has actually been sort of familiarizing himself with the uh, the, the world of uh, keen politics, basically. He's putting his toe in the water already. Yeah, and so I wanted to actually continue that particular email, and I'm trying to pull it up here as we speak. There it is. All right. So he had a lengthy email that he wrote to uh, Cynthia who is one of the city councilors here. She has a radio show called Talk Back. If you go to freekeen.com, which is my other website, you can listen to some of the audio that we've recorded of myself and Sam and a few others from the area calling uh, Ms. Cynthia on her radio show and talking to her about the voluntary society and the marketplace and you know solutions that the marketplace can provide as opposed to the government's uh, way of solving these problems. And some of the calls are, are pretty interesting, and she seems like a pretty open-minded lady. So I think that's why, one of the reasons why Sam took so much of his time to write such a, a lengthy response to her. And he, uh, he begins by uh, pointing out well, he actually started by talking about how he's a, a voluntarist, and so we'll pick up uh, shortly after where we left off Saturday. If you missed that, go grab the archives at freetalklife.com. But he says that as a voluntarist, I believe that all interactions should be voluntary and based upon mutual consent. I don't think that it's right to force anyone to do something they don't want. Unfortunately, your socialist all-or-nothing system doesn't allow that, and I therefore withdraw my consent to be governed. Now... Since that's a requirement for your authority, will you honor my wishes and uphold your oath? The fact that I reject your government's punitive system of governance in no way means that I believe in no rules. I think that many laws serve a useful purpose and would exist as private property rules, which I would be free to not follow by simply leaving or never entering that person's property. If I go around causing harm, loss, or injury, and I don't compensate my victims, then my reputation rating is going to take a huge hit. Think of this like a credit score for life rather than just finances. How hard is it to buy a house with a fresh bankruptcy and a credit score of 520? Darn difficult. This goes back to the voluntary... You you better just have the cash. Yeah. This goes back to the voluntary identification that I described below. Now, it would have several metrics related to each individual, all of which would make life in the coming voluntary society very difficult for somebody that wanted to be conciliatory about who they were. 
So, he says, when it comes to paying for other services, let's talk about that. I live by myself. I work from home, have no kids, and I drive very little. I've never used your government's services like unemployment unless I was threatened with punishment as I am for traveling without your driving papers. I went to a blue ribbon school. I'm arguably one of the best or rather inarguably one of the best public government school districts in the U.S., and I was an A and B student. I was bored to tears most of the time. I felt that the teachers did more to stamp out my ideas rather than encourage them, as the Montessori elementary school I attended as a child seemed to foster by design. So here I am, an arguably intelligent person with an IQ in the top 1% of the population, a product of your government-run Blue Ribbon Schools, and I don't know how to pronounce new words until I hear them. The longer they are, the worse I screw them up. How does something so fundamental manage to slip through the cracks in what is proclaimed to be the best your system has to offer? Can you imagine what it's like for the inner-city kids where the teachers have long since given up? So for this privilege, your organization demands about 40, about, uh, th- actually, I'm not going to name the names here because he pays a lot in taxes, thousands of dollars every year from me as my fair share. Is it fair to force me to pay for services I don't use to send other people's kids to a school system that so miserably failed me, which I also find morally reprehensible? I want to pay for the services that I want and use. How can you justify demanding otherwise? I don't believe there's any justification and... Uh, and government refuses to uh, to listen to the people that it claims to serve, which is why I'm stepping out of your system. I'm withdrawing my consent, and I'll start over if necessary. It may be an easy transition. It may not. That's up to you and your associates. Regardless of how this turns out, I will be free. And when the others see what it's like to live free, as we're already seeing from the response to my videos, they will want freedom for themselves. Now, I'll admit, that puts you in quite the predicament. You can choose to crack down and have your police enforce the laws for which you have no authority, thereby showing your oppressive and tyrannical nature. Now, this is, by the way, something that they do not want to understand. They do not want to connect themselves with the violence. And it is a theme that you'll hear if you listen to some of the audio clips I was pointing you to at freekeen.com, where we attempt to ask questions to back them into a corner where they will have to admit that, you know, without cooperating with the zoning laws, for instance, armed men with guns are going to show up and hurt you or throw you out of your house. Now, it's interesting. Uh, yesterday, or Saturday on the show, we had a gal on, just, you know, a caller. The sociopath? Well, I wouldn't have called her a sociopath. The one that advocated forced well, government education? She, she was, it, it was presented to her that, in fact, you would have to use violence to uh, have a public school system and... She was. She finally, you know, broke down after a couple of times, mm-hmm. a few times, maybe three, of having it presented to her that she said, "Yes, I do support taking your house away and kicking right. you out on the street." Of course, then, then I, uh, you know, painted the uh, picture a little more clearly. Not only are you going to kick me out of the house, but what if I don't want to leave? Then mm-hmm. you're going to send in your uh, armed goons, I believe was the terminology I used, and uh, you know, quite possibly shoot my dog in the process and crush the skull of my uh, little baby boy, and, and you know, in the rampage to kick me out. Yeah, they. Oh, they like wouldn't that. crush your baby. They would kill your dog. Maybe, uh, sh- you know, point your guns, uh, their guns at Senor Grouchy Pants, your kitty. But they, you know, the the baby's valuable to the bureaucracy, so they'd probably take it and give it over to you know CYD. Are you, or are you telling me that any no children have been accidentally killed in? Oh uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. Ra- SWAT raids. No, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, there was yeah. a story last week we read about a, a lady that had her infant shot during yeah, a SWAT raid. It's awful. So it, it certainly happens. I think that's what I was referencing. So creating, uh, he says. You could choose to crack down, and you'll create the net result of attracting more liberty activists like me. 
Option two is to simply do nothing, in which case the free society will simply grow as people once again get a taste for true freedom. In which case, if you do panic and decide to crack down later, it will only look even more oppressive and tyrannical because there will be more victims. This, Cynthia, is what Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, and other inspirational agents of peaceful change understood. The pen is truly mightier than the sword, and while you can take my possessions, threaten me, demand money, lock me in a cage, or even kill me, you cannot kill an idea. Our ideas have been spread far and wide. Their logic and reason is sound, and it's only a matter of time before a voluntary society evolves. The question becomes, how long do you want to continue fighting to be right about your system? And you asked me, has this worked? Because that was what he'd originally responded to with this email, was her question of, well, where in the world is this working? Where is this free market, this uh, no government, no coercive society idea actually working out? And he says, I would turn that question around and ask it of you. Has government worked? I'm not asking if people have been ruled by power-hungry men and women seeking power for themselves. History is littered with examples. I'm asking how many governments have stood the test of time lasting 500 years or more. Rome? Not exactly. A republic for 200 years, then came the empire stage, where they had troops stationed in far-flung places they conquered by slaughtering the local populations into submission. Even they failed after 400 years, after devaluing and diluting their currency and growing government to economic collapse. I'll give you the best answer I've come up with, Switzerland. They have the best example of a true democracy that's existed for over 500 years. Several things work in their favor. The government is small, the country is small, and they take a hands-off approach to the affairs of others. Most decisions are put up for a vote, and they force the male citizens to undergo militia training. Each man is then given his assault rifle to take home. That's quite a deterrent to government oppression. He uh, comes back with more here, and we'll share the rest of it with you and get your comments. And you can also bring up whatever you want. This is your show, 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up uh, anything. That's the point of the show. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free. The auction is going on right now. If you want to win the second banner on the website, you can place your bid over at auction.freetalklive.com. I believe there's a couple more days left. That's auction. Dot freetalklive.com. And in Chapter 6, Subterranean, Tad Galahad goes to hell. In hell, he finds nanobots, killbots, sexbots, supermodel clones, immortality, and a rocket ride off this pale blue dot. Go to freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Continuing uh, to wrap up this email from Sam in Texas. Uh, his website, by the way, obscuredtruth.com. I know he's working on a, another one of his documentary videos right now, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that as uh, it continues along. But he's also been getting in touch with some of the government people here in the area of Keene, New Hampshire, where, as you know, we do the program from. Uh, we moved here a couple years back as part of the Free State Project as early movers intending to be liberty activists, uh, hopefully to help progress things along so we can achieve liberty in our lifetime. And Sam is one of those, uh, is going to be one of those early movers, so I guess he's sort of feeling things out with uh, the bureaucrats up here and to let them know that he's coming. 
<laughs> and so he's been asking. Some, I'm sure they're just waiting. Yeah, he's been uh, answering her one of their questions. Uh, Cynthia, who's one of the hosts of the, a, a local talk show here in Keene, she asked him, "Well, where is this happening? Where is this free market actually occurring?" And I, you know, well, for one, it's it's occurring wherever there isn't a government to stop it. Um, many governments are too small to get involved in the uh, the, the exchanges that go on with uh, other with individuals. Mm-hmm. It certainly has some effect in in the you know the the world trade sense. Um, there's some effect of uh, on the free market, but not nearly as much. For instance, I uh, you know coming off the top of my head, I remember uh, when my wife and I went on our honeymoon. We were out on a sailboat, and a guy came out with uh, and uh, you know was selling us some stuff, baguettes, um, which is what they call their long skinny bread, okay, and, and uh, you know some other things for sustenance. He didn't collect any tax from us, okay? <laughs> there wasn't a government bureaucrat checking to see that the baguette was fresh and good mm-hmm. or anything like that. He could have made that baguette anywhere. Yeah. It didn't could have, have a it label. Yesterday. It didn't have a stamp. It didn't have any kind of, uh, you know, indication that this was a safe baguette. Was it good? It was fine. Excellent. Yeah, made, made fine sandwiches. So Sam says, where does a voluntary society exist? It's a great question. Some say ancient Icelandic culture was very close until the Vikings invaded. I haven't researched it, so I can't say for sure. Somalia is a great example where a voluntary society is evolving. Sure, the government-approved media says otherwise, and the UN, out of fear, attempts or keeps attempting to force a government on the people in Somalia. Uh, Ian has read stories on Free Talk Live about the warlords. Uh, he says, think private protection services provider. See, the mainstream media is all pro-state and adopts the state's terms, or they lose access to their governmental info. Uh, they have uh, competed and stepped in to provide safety and security. Unfortunately, the warlords still claim to protect everyone in a ge- uh, given geographic area, turf or jurisdiction, as you call it. However, I suspect with the, uh, with Time, this will change, and people will be allowed to purchase protection services from competing agencies. Operating under the protection of one group for $10 a month, a man is providing water to the village at something close to $0.10 per 1,000 gallons. And he's using the extra profits to provide free schooling to the community. This is one of the warlords, so-called, in in Somalia. Cell phone service is the cheapest, most reliable, and available in all of Africa, where there's no gang helping out by regulating the industry to supposedly ensure everything's fair. How's the service in rural New Hampshire? You know, I'm thinking about setting up a... (laughs) Not good. And he knows that he stayed out of my house before. (laughs) I'm thinking about setting up a WiMAX tower and providing internet and phone service to people within several square miles of me. And just a real quick uh, addition to his comments uh, about Somalia. It's important to remember that the Somalian situation came out through violence. Uh, So it's not exactly what it is we're aiming for here. We're aiming to, uh, to achieve liberty without raising arms against the government. We're going to do it with non-cooperation, and maybe the guys in the political system will manage to do a thing or two to help out. Uh, but, but we are not going to use violence against the state to eliminate it. It will be eliminated because people have the paradigm shift that they need to have, and they'll understand, come to the, the uh, understanding that the voluntary society is the best choice. And if people have that paradigm shift, then they really will come to the, you know, the conclusion that government is unnecessary, and they can govern their own lives by, the, you know, by themselves. So getting to the voluntary society through those means will provide, I think, much more uh, stable structure after it's all said and done. 
Well, I, I would agree with you if that's if, if that, in fact, is what happens. At the very least, I think that people will be shown that government uh, has gotten its fingers far too deeply into all kinds of business that it doesn't belong in and perhaps bring it back to uh, some sort of you know, manageable size or, you know, legit, if, if one can use the term legitimate in um, you know, regards to government, a more legitimate size. And as Sam says, perhaps some of the very best examples are right here in America. The roads were all privately owned before the government stepped in to steal them and nationalize the roads. Lysander Spooner started a very successful postal service that quickly began outperforming the government-run mail service. And how did they respond? Well, the only way they know how to solve problems, of course, with violence. They started arresting his postal carriers, seizing his mail, and all in the name of code and statute violations, you see. Lysander was run out of business by armed thugs fearing competition. And he wrote an essay I highly recommend called No Treason, The Constitution of No Authority, which is available free in text form or as an audiobook, which our friend Mark Stevens over at AdventuresInLegalLand.com, he actually turned that uh, No Treason into the audiobook, so that's who reads that one. Anyway, Lysander asks some very powerful, thought-provoking questions about the nature of government, individual rights, and the specific system of government uh, governance you employ. And I think it would be a very enlightening book for you to hear or read. If you'd like to understand a complete picture of how voluntary society could function in the absence of a government, the book A Market for Liberty does the best job that I've found. It's what finally put to rest my objections to a voluntary society. And then he links to freekeen.com, where you can go to book.freekeen.com. You can download The Market for Liberty absolutely free in both audiobook form and in PDF form, and it really is excellent. Sam wraps up by saying, as scary as it may seem, this evolution is happening right now, and it's only going to grow. Unlike Lysander, we have our own media to report what's happening for the entire world to see. Keene will be recorded in the history books as the birthplace of the voluntary society. What role do you intend to play in the evolution, to be studied later by children in the centuries to come? How will Cynthia and the city of Keene be remembered in the pages of history? You know, he asked some really good questions there. Um, you know, I, I think that Cynthia's the uh, not a great target. She happens to be the most high-profile target because of her radio show, but she's the, the worst target as far as uh, she's the smallest government on the city council. I mean, she's she believes in small government, uh, I guess Joe Benzinski or whatever. But, um, you know, these people are essentially on the same side as we are. Well, that's not saying too much because, I mean, Cynthia is – She's pretty effective at just parroting the pro-government stuff she's been fed over the years, so she doesn't have any well, need I of... think we all parrot everything that we've been told. I understand that. She, so I think she's a good uh, target. She's a prospect. Be, right, but prospect. I, I don't think she's, that she... You know, so I, I, felt, I felt some uh, combativeness in there, and I don't think you convince people terribly well with combativeness. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, there, there are times that that's true, and I think that Sam ends up the letter really well. But uh, he did use the you know the term the, your government a whole lot and yeah. really tied her in with the violence and certainly that makes these people uncomfortable. They don't want to be associated with the violence. They will do whatever they can. They'll use whatever kind of verbal and mental gymnastics they possibly can to get away from associating with uh, themselves with it. It must be very scary for them. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. 
and Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a bulletin board system. You can get interactive with a couple thousand of our listeners, and you can read through over 375,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, and you'll find it all there free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. What if a socialist became the president of the United States of America? I I don't think that there's any way we can avoid that. Uh, President Barack Obama, John McCain, the North American Union, unconstitutional drug and gun laws, a national ID card. What's your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? The Free State Project participants choose what event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Let's go right to your phone calls and talk to Lucas in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Lucas. Hey guys, Mr. Hey. Hardcore here, and uh, I was listening to the Saturday show, and there was this uh, woman on talking about how the kids who go through the public school system aren't idiots. Well, as somebody who spent for the past five years in public school, let me tell you, people, your money's going down the tubes. Why do you say that? Uh, out of, okay, last year there was about 90 kids in the grade. I can tell you that maybe 20 of them bothered to pay attention, and even less, uh, and some of them didn't even show up this class ever. I'm dead serious. Well, I, I think that there's probably some kids that uh, manage to milk the, uh, the the government system for a better education than others do. I, I think that it, it really de- it really depends more so on what their interest level is, and I think that for me. Um, School was sort of beat out my interest level in what yeah. I was learning. It was just so structured. Well, it made learning boring, and they could have made learning fun. There were the there were the select teachers, and those are the ones you always remember their names. Mm-hmm. The uh, the select I teachers, Mr. Clark, that made a uh, concerted effort to actually make their curriculum fun and interesting. And those again, as as I said, those are the people you remember. I can't I can't tell you the name of my second grade teacher. You know, yeah. Ms. Bonima, she, yeah. was a, she was and, a battle axe. Uh, moreover, it seems to me like uh, they're trying to poison the kid's mind against the free market, and that's why I have trouble trying to grasp some of the concepts you talk about here. Oh, they definitely do. I mean, the whole government school system is designed to, as we said uh, Saturday night, to crank out a bunch of dullards who uh, believe that the state is all and the state is uh, important and the government is great and that we really need the government around. And, you know, the reason we have a civil society is because of our government. And uh, really, I mean, of course, it's of course, it's going to worship the state. The state runs the schools. I mean, it's just like with uh, a Catholic school. They're going to teach you about the Jesus or whatever it is they teach you in Catholic school, and yeah, so the state's going to teach you about the state and uh, and why it's so uh, wonderful. Yep, and uh, if you want to combat any sort of altruist uh, argument for anything, uh, you should look up this philosopher, I guess you call him, his name's Andrew Ryan, and uh, he's uh, just great outspoken against altruism and Hmm. Now, the idea of altruism is to simply, um, isn't it just like doing doing good things things for people? people? I mean, what's wrong with that? Well, he says that whenever somebody wants others to do their work, they call upon their altruism. He fled uh, the Soviet Union just as it was becoming the Soviet Union because he thought in America he would be able to profit off the strength of his own muscles, the brilliance of his own mind, etc., etc., 
Well, I agree with the uh, the general concept that those who are, you know, the lazy people, the bureaucrats or whatever, they would like other people to do their work for them. And, and that's kind of, you know, the, the whole idea behind this national service thing is that we should get these young people involved in the state so they can serve and give of their time and their effort and get very, very little in compensation. And, and that's altruism, that they should, you know, be, be happy to, to give all of this time of theirs back to the state because they owe it to them. Yep. I mean, that that may be one viewpoint on altruism, but I think generally as a concept, there's nothing wrong inherently with the idea of helping people. Um, I mean, if for the, the point is... The, point, wrong, the, the, the wrong is comes in forcing people to do something. But then and it's not it altruistic. Right, under, understood. Um, but, you know, if you use your altruism to force other people to do things, like, well, we're going to feed the hungry, so everybody's going to have to give a certain amount of money so that we can feed the hungry... So part of it's altruistic and part of it's not, but it's the force aspect in the same way that if we're going to fight the red menace, so everybody's going to have to give a certain amount, it's the force, not the altruism. So you, one could um, speak out against aggressive force, and that's a really great uh, thing to speak out against uh, on a national level. You know, don't, don't start wars with other countries in the same way that, uh, this, uh, is, did you say Andrew Ryan's? Andrew Ryan, you should uh, look him up sometime. Uh, I, I will make an effort. Thank you, Lucas, for the call tonight and the uh, suggestion. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. You know, Mark, we got a, a couple of um, emails that were very helpful and critical at the same time recently after our conflict last week mm-hmm. with the uh, the listeners. To we got a whole K- bunch of them. KGEZ. Uh, two of them in particular were quite good. There was one I wanted to share, but the other one I, that it, I didn't want to share was... Um, was very good. I just wanted to address something, one of his critiques on the air. Okay. And one of his critiques was that I'm too quick to jump to the dictionary. That, uh, uh, I remember that one, yes. That, uh, that, that somehow that's, it's authoritarian of me to go and jump into the dictionary to get meanings of words. And I don't see how that's authoritarian in, in any way. I mean, certainly I am submitting myself to... You wouldn't. You're a dictionary authoritarian. Well, no, I'm submitting myself to the so-called authority of the dictionary, but that's a voluntary choice. I'm saying, well, I think that words are important and that it's important to use the right words to communicate your ideas. And I understand he pointed out that words can change over time and, you know, with the English language, things can over time be different usually I, those uh the, the changes are noted inside the dictionary too the old true. definitions and the new definitions right and so while i understand that point i still think it's important to get your words right uh to to make sure that you're accurate so i went and looked up altruism here just to see what the actual definition was because you and i didn't have an exact definition we just th- kind of thought that altruism doing, doing nice good things, things for people yeah nice but things there's for people. a qualifier ah. okay number one unselfish regard for or devotion to the welfare of others or two behavior by an animal that's not beneficial to or may not or may be harmful to itself, but that benefits others of its species. So with those definitions, then I can understand uh, Lucas's objection to the idea of altruism. I mean, it's kind of an absurd concept, because somebody like me, I don't believe in the idea that somebody could be unsel- or somebody could at any time be unselfish in their lives. I think that everything you do, whether it's working for charity or going to work for yourself during the day or whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing for selfish motives. Right. Maybe you are losing money. Maybe you're spending time, but you're feeling good. And so that feeling good of going in and helping at the soup kitchen or whatever it is that you're doing that you feel... Or sanctimonious. Yeah, you might want to feel 
because people have been telling you these things, as Lucas was pointing out, in the government school system, they've been telling you that it's good to be altruistic, that it's good to sacrifice yourself uh, for these uh, greater causes. But it's not in any way unselfish, and so therefore I don't think that there, there could really be, I mean, by that definition, There's no such altruism. thing as altruism? Yeah. Hmm. So, so there's, there is such a thing as being charitable and doing nice things and helping people. I mean, the, the fact is the, uh, one of the rules of the universe, as far as I'm concerned, and certainly the marketplace, is that you have to give people what they want. You have to serve others in order to eventually get what it is that you want. If I want to get rewarded, I have to make other people happy with my efforts and what it is I did for them. What, what I find disturbing about uh, you know definitions uh, in general and jumping to the dictionary for um, you know answers to things is that not all dictionaries define things exactly the same way. It's true. And one can begin to get into the area of splitting hairs, and if you uh, you know manage to get a definition that's uh, you know, far enough removed from the other one, you can read all kinds of things into it. So, well, that know, was the other one of his. There's, uh, no, there's no standard authority when it comes to these words. That was one of his other po- uh, points. Was sort of about that splitting hairs issue, wherein you know, for instance, if somebody is talking on the phone with us and they'll say the term "we," I'll sort of jump in with a, a snide remark about how, well, not me, I'm not included in that. I've certainly been doing that a lot recently, and I I think I'm sh- I should cut that back. So I definitely it agree. Certainly irritates the crap out of me. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's unnecessary. I mean, I could make the comment later on down the line if necessary. There's no point in interrupting people with that. So don't think I don't take your critique seriously. I absolutely do. It's just I'm not going to accept them all and automatically. I still think it's important to, to get your terms correct. Otherwise, if you get the word completely wrong, you sound like a nim- nincompoop. You don't know what you're talking about. 800-259-9231. You bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features are free. And if you want to help support the show, then one of the things you can do is go and vote for Free Talk Live over at vote.freetalklive.com. We do need your votes to help push us up the charts at uh, Podcast Alley and keep us in the number one position, which I'm not sure if we're at. Oh, yeah, we're fine, and uh, we shouldn't be mentioning it. We're, we're fine? We're doing so well. How, wait, wait, how well? Um, well, it's going to take me this? just a second to pull it up, but it okay. was uh, 47 votes in the lead. So. All right, that's good, but it's not good enough to keep us there all month long. So here's our here's our last one for now. You said, what's our what's our threshold, 25 votes? Uh, 25, 50, somewhere. So we should figure out something. Okay, well, if we fall below a certain bo- uh, vote threshold, then we'll start mentioning it. Those again. of you who are irritated about hearing the votes... Uh, Nobody ever emails saying you know, they're irritated. No, 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 it never had, but it, you know, but now, it pres- now I'm asking... If you're irritated, um, give us a threshold, please. Uh, we haven't come up with that on our own. So There you go. There you go. All right. So vote.freetalklive.com. If you haven't done it in August, we still need you. Did it take us 10 days to uh, to get there, Mark? Do you uh, know? Nine. About nine or 10 days. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, we continue with your calls here. Uh, you can take control and bring up anything. Renee in North Carolina, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Renee. Renee, going once. Renee in Hello. North Hello, Renee. Hello. What's on your mind tonight? Well, you know, um, you know, the battle is over for Ron Paul, but there is one battle still available where we really could send a shock and awe message that we are breaking free of the right-left paradigm. Um, you know, when Ron Paul ran, many Democrats forgot their minor differences because they realized liberty was more important, and they crossed over and they worked hard and opened their wallets 
for Ron Paul. They did, that's mm-hmm. true. And the thing is, Cindy Sheehan, you know, we talk about independent. Cindy Sheehan has one where she will be on the ballot as an independent. Think about what this Wait a minute, hold do. on. Wait, she running for what? President? No. No, she, no she's running for or, or a congressman for Nancy Pelosi's seat. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, see, because we can't win for president. But think about what this would do. If, um, you know, they say the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, a lot of people on the conservative side need to realize that that road goes both ways, mm, and it's time for them to cross back over. If the so-called conservative truth and patriot movement um, got behind and joined hands, even if they forgot their little differences like, oh, she's a liberal or she's a woman or whatever, mm. and forgot that and got behind and we all, both liberals, Democrats, conservatives, uh, you know, Democrats, Republicans, whatever, independents, got behind and pushed Cindy Sheehan, did a money bomb for whatever, and pushed her. What kind of message would that send if we kick Nancy Pelosi out? Well, it it's a nice idea, but here's – Renee, it's a nice idea, but here's my question that I have. I mean, I, we haven't talked to Cindy in a long time. We had her on the program uh, a couple years ago when she was doing some uh, civil disobedience to talk to her about that stuff. Um, but I don't really know exactly what her position is. I certainly haven't gotten word that Cindy is in any way somebody I, that understands She's going to be liberty. superior to Pelosi. Oh, because, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Thank you. No, hang on. Let me get to my question here. Let me get to my question, Renee. Hang on, sweetie. Hold on. I want to get to my question so you can answer it. Uh, so my question is, I mean, how does this woman actually understand liberty? I mean, because I, I know that the last time we talked to her, she was kind of coming around to understanding that the Republicans and the Democrats are the same. I think she had kind of gotten that point because she had been looking to the Democrats as her potential savior. And then, of course, 2006 came around and they didn't do anything to change anything as uh, many people were expecting them to do. Uh, so she was disappointed by that. And so I think she's a candidate. I think she's somebody that is certainly uh, open minded enough to to learn about these ideas, but I could exactly. understand why people don't, I mean, if, if she's not principled, if she doesn't really understand liberty, if she's just sort of against the two-party system, then I can understand why that's not really jazzing people up like Ron Paul's campaign did. I mean, if she's not out there advocating true individual liberty on almost every single issue, as Ron Paul was, I mean, Ron Paul was like a 99% uh, one, you know, 99% pure liberty-minded guy, how close is Cindy? I mean, is she like 60%? Proving my point, the, the, the thing is, and why that the, the Republicans and Ron Paul supporters aren't as big a people as the Democrats who got over their small stuff and crossed over. Like you said, I was so glad when your co-host said that. No matter what your differences are, if she has certain differences with you, you know she's much better than Pelosi. And like you said, yeah, but I can't get excited about that anymore. Like I am so burned out on the whole political idea that I can't get excited by a candidate that's just better than the other two candidates. They need to. I be don't know about excitement, but I take above. her. They need to be huge, uh, hugely better than the other candidates for me to get interested enough to pay a, to, to even pay attention uh, to, to their campaign. The Right. You're missing the point. The point is, is that they would see Democrats and Republicans and liberals and conservatives forgetting their differences, 
to, to send a message to the people in Congress, anybody but you. We, we are, we are tired nice of being idea. fed with the right-left paradigm. I, I, you see, people don't get the shock and awe PSYOPs message. But I'm you beyond that. I mean, yeah, I, I see where you're coming beyond? from. And it, and it may be, you know, it may be something that's persuasive to people still in the political realm, but I'm beyond the right-left paradigm to the point where I'm beyond the government paradigm. Like, I'm not even interested in any of this. I mean, I see where you're coming from, but I'm not going to get excited about somebody that is... That does not understand Somebody's going to fill Pelosi's seat. It can be Pelosi or it can be Cindy Sheehan. You know, the Sheehan. government's going to be bigger and stronger and more uh, intrusive in our lives, whether it's Cindy Sheehan or whoever the hell the libertarian is. Sound defeated. Whatever. Well, it doesn't matter to me, Mark. I mean, the government at the federal level is completely irrelevant to my life. I don't uh, send them any money, and I think that we'd be much better off. All the people, if all the people that have supported Ron Paul's campaign, you know, had uh, just decided to non-cooperate with the state instead and save their money, that would have been more effective. We, we'd have we'd be closer to liberty. I mean, getting behind political candidates is the the least effective, uh, most inefficient way to achieve any sort of semblance of uh, improvement in the governmental structure. Uh, you know, which again, I am not uh, necessarily interested in uh, in achieving. I just simply want it to leave me the hell alone, and I don't think I'm ever going to get that from running political campaigns or supporting political campaigns. So I, I'm sure there are people out there that will agree with you because a lot of our listeners are still political, and so I want to thank you for your call tonight. And I'm sure they appreciate the suggestion. Maybe they will take a look at uh, Cindy's campaign. But I could also understand. I think it's very interesting. It's just, you know, the idea of crossing sides. I mean, okay, that's nice. Give me a reason to get, to get interested. I mean, Ron Paul... There's a lot of things that go on in the show that I may not be interested in. I don't poo-poo them all. Well, she was suggesting these ideas, and I was talking about how I felt about it, okay? I think it's a waste of time. And I think that all the money that was spent on Ron Paul's campaign was a, a pretty big waste of money. It could have been... I mean, as far as reaching out to people, which is you the reason I gave... To that's the right. I gave money to the Ron Paul campaign because it was having an effect at reaching out to people. But I can still critique and say I think that that money would have been more effective spent on, you know, a, a, a quality Hollywood movie production or something like that that would have been bla- that could have been blasted out to people that weren't paying attention to politics, for instance. I mean, $20 million or whatever is what they ended up having in their bank account. That's a significant chunk of change, unlike any libertarian or pro-liberty organization has ever had uh, to to play with in that short of a, a period of time, I just think it could have been spent better. And there was some there was some things to critique about the Ron Paul campaign and the way it was run. I, I, I'm not but pleased was, to death about this uh, campaign for liberty that they're going about now. I don't even I, know I anything get, about it. I can't it. get excited about it. But uh, What is it? It's just like, uh, what? What is that? I don't know. More rallies? Yay. All right. Let's change the system from the inside. It's hard for me to get excited. So I was just telling Renee that if she wants somebody like me to get jazzed about Cindy Sheehan's campaign – I gotta hear something. There's gotta be some buzz. And I guess that's a little bit of buzz. Maybe I'll look into it and we'll see what, what her positions are. But if she's pr- supporting the state on, you know, most of her I think issues. It's pretty clear that Cindy Sheehan probably isn't surrounded by and therefore doesn't have a pro liberty position on, on everything. Well, that's what I was t- trying to get get across to Renee was that if I think you that aren't still valuable enough, to put her, would, would be still valuable to, uh, to knock Pelosi out and, and put Sheehan in. Fine. Okay, who was the guy that replaced Bob Barr down in Georgia? I don't know. Exactly. See, it hasn't really been that valuable. Sure, they got Bob Barr out, but the government's bigger than it's ever been before. So what's the real, I mean, in in the wash, what's it all worth? All of the effort and stuff. Which is what I was trying to get across to Renee, was that 
it's got to be motivating. And Ron Paul's message was motivating. It didn't have anything to do with Republican or Democrat. I mean, Ron Paul ran as a libertarian in 1998. By all accounts, he still is a, you know, a almost completely pro-liberty individual. And it's that principled message of, you know, sound money and free markets that really got those Democrats excited that she was talking about. When he went to college campuses to speak to these 20-somethings, they were crazy about him they, yeah. they loved ron paul so if cindy's got a message that's as powerful then she'll get the activists behind her and they'll do the similar things that renee was suggesting they'll get out there and they'll do those money bomb things no one's stopping them whoever it is that supports her campaign well she's trying to get people to you know to hear something about there it. you go so we'll take a look into it and see if it's worthwhile 800-259-9231 hour two coming up free talk live One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, they're free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. As we were wrapping up the last hour of the program, for those of you just tuning in, Renee called in from North Carolina to tell us that Cindy Sheehan is apparently running for Congress against Nancy whatever her name is. And she was pointing out that uh, during the Ron Paul campaign, a lot of people that had considered themselves Democrats got very, very excited about the things that Ron Paul was saying. And, you know, they got behind the Ron Paul campaign and there was all this wonderful uh, grassroots decentralized campaign activity like the money bombs and all this other stuff, the the blimp, stuff that was completely generated by the activists themselves and the campaign itself had no no actual input whatsoever into as far as determining what was going to happen. And it was a wonderful example of uh, the effectiveness of decentralism, and it's uh, it's still something I think that people will be looking back at for uh, for examples of what to do on into the future. So Ron Paul's campaign, great success, and Renee was right that a lot of people did cross over, if you will, to vote and support Ron Paul, to vote for and support Ron Paul. And she then suggested that, well, Cindy Sheehan should also be one of these crossover candidates, that... Uh, Cindy Sheehan, uh, you know, Republicans need to cross over and get behind her because it's not about Democrat or Republican. It's about, well, I don't know what she was suggesting it was about, but uh, some, I guess the, her suggestion was the uh, the personality of Cindy Sheehan would be preferable to Nancy Pelosi uh, in the uh, House of Representatives. And you were backing her up on that, and you're probably right about that. I mean, well, uh, Cindy Nancy Sheehan is probably Nancy better. Pelosi has a great deal of power. She's the Speaker of the House. Cindy Sheehan okay. would walk in as a freshman. So all I'm proposing yeah. is, and you support Downsize DC, and it's I do. Read, read the Bills Act, which you know would hamstring Congress, right? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. Okay, Cindy Sheehan would, to a small extent, hamstring Congress because it's likely we're going to have a Democratic Congress anyway. You put a new speaker in there; they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to have the experience that that Nancy does. She's had a few years to get used to it now. Yeah. Cindy Sheehan certainly wouldn't be that speaker. So that's all I'm saying. It just seems like a whole lot of effort for very, very little uh, actual change. As I pointed out before, you couldn't name the person who replaced Bob Barr, who was one of the worst. I don't know that that proves anything. Who was one of the worst uh, people. I can't, you know, and Bob Barr's not in there. You got rid of one of the worst people in the drug war. 
But the drug war is still going on, Mark. So, I mean, what you're talking about here is a lot of effort and a lot of money and time being spent on a candidate that doesn't even understand what liberty is. So I wanted to make sure that I was right about my um, conclusion there that uh, that Cindy Sheehan doesn't get it. And so I figured I'd go to her website and check her issues page to see what it is that she has to say about the issues. Because as I pointed out... I'm still not yet 100% over voting. If a candidate's really exciting and interesting... She's in San Francisco. I don't think that Ron Paul's message is going to resonate uh, real loud in San Francisco. Whatever. I think that it will, to some extent. Certainly, there'll be some people that are very excited about it. I don't care about about San Francisco. I care about my money and my finances and who I'm going to back. I backed Ron Paul because he had a message that I thought people should hear. Nancy Pelosi's from um, San Francisco, and she's pushing an agenda that is going to to attempt to take people like your money. Obviously, you're not paying in, but... You know, she's, they're going to be pushing that agenda that uh, spends the money. Yeah, and so does Cindy Sheehan. She's a big government person, She's too, going Mark. to be less effective at it. Again, you're arguing for a whole lot of effort being put into electing somebody that's just going to, you know, not do anything to gum up the system. I'll agree that there are a lot of Ron Paul, um, you know, Ron Paul type candidates out there that we could be supporting too. But all I'm telling you, Mark, is I don't care about how good she does in San Francisco. What Renee was trying to do was convince people like me. Mm-hmm. To get behind, and I'm not a Republican, I don't want to point that out at all, but to people uh, to get behind this particular candidate because she's somehow worthwhile. And I'm sorry, she's not any more worthwhile than any other incumbent, or not, excuse me, not incumbent, but challenger to an incumbent in any of the races across the country. Here's what she says on her website. What does Cindy Sheehan uh, stand for? Uh, you know, stop me when you're done with her, Mark, because it's, I can done, keep going I, I've down already this list. I mean, I, I, Sin- I, Single-payer health care, second issue on her list. Yeah, Universal not good. forced health care. Everybody forced to have government health care. Uh, free education. Where's she at for, on the war? Well, of course she's anti-war. Well, but, but is Cindy Sheehan? Well, so we're... Yes, Cindy oh, Sheehan me, is, is uh, Nancy Pelosi. I have no idea. Well, but we Nancy know that Pelosi a bunch of didn't Democrats, do a very good job as the Speaker of the House of getting us out, and so We know that go. all the Democrats that got elected brand new in 2006 were talking about Maybe how anti-war they th- were. Maybe that's the plank she's running on. These Democrats are crappy. I don't care about her one issue, Mark. I'm not a one-issue voter if I'm going to vote at all. You've got to really motivate me. And going down this list, I am anything but motivated. Free education, meaning government, wealth redistribution to pay for awful government schools. How about this one, Mark? Regulating the media. She says that the <laughs> media conglomerates are able to manipulate the media and destroy local programming. You win. This has prevented the public from getting independent news and information, particularly on the effects of deregulation, privatization, and war. I will oppose multiple ownership of newspaper, cable, broadcast, internet, and uh, and all other media operations multiple ownership of internet operations i can't have two news websites I mean, that's what that sounds like. Anyway, she says, I'll require that all license holders of commercial TV and radio stations carry and promote local programming with stiff penalties, including loss of licenses if they violate these rules. I'll also support revoking their licenses if they have a record of violating local, state, and federal labor laws by illegally firing and discriminating against workers for union activities. I also support federal funding for public labor, community broadcast, and Internet systems, including Wi-Fi and other technologies. So she wants to you know, set up more of those city-run Wi-Fi programs that have worked so well. Disasters. Uh, Oh, there's more. For stopping, she is for stopping deregulation and privatization. I could go into the details there, but why bother? Uh, And she is for, let's see, a national energy system. 
That sounds kind of scary. As well as a mass transit system. She says Oh, good. Buses out in the middle of nowhere. Listen to this. The growing environmental... Carrying no one. Yep. And energy crisis cannot be solved under private ownership of the energy companies. We need a mass transportation system administered by public labor community boards throughout the United States. Yeah. You want me to get excited by this? I'm done. You want me to rally behind this candidate? Look, if you've got a message, it's just like I said. She hit me in the, in the gut with the, yeah. uh, with the media thing. So. You've got a me- if you've got a message that's different, that's unique, that excites people, you don't have to beg people to get behind you. You just have to say, hey, check this guy out. This is exciting. Or this check out. This is really awesome what this person is, is talking about. And Ron Paul had that exciting pro-liberty principled message that was very... Mostly principled. That was uh, really, really significantly different from any other candidate in the race. Cindy Sheehan, just another run-of-the-mill Democrat challenging the incumbent. That's all. 800-259-9231. But she should be congratulated for her efforts at civil disobedience. I liked that kind of stuff. That was neat. That's why we had her on the show. Uh, She'd still probably be better than Pelosi. Whoopie-doo. All right, let's continue with your calls. Nick in Illinois is on the amp line. Hello, Nick. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh... Listening to you guys uh, kind of talk, especially with that last caller, um, this collaboration thing with other people, it, it kind of scares me uh, with, with other groups. Um, I'm going to give you three examples of why you should aim to be ideologically pure. Uh, España, Italia, and the United States colonies. I don't In get all it. three examples. In all three, well, I'm, I'm, I'll explain it. I should in hope. all three examples, with revolutions in those countries, with Spain, with Franco, uh, Italia after the World War II, uh, overthrowing Mussolini, and obviously with the U.S. colonies in the American Revolution, all three had anarchist groups. All three anarchist groups collaborated with a different group, basically statist, but a little better statist than what was previously okay uh, and, and the anarchists you're talking about there are not real anarchists they're like anarcho syndicalist uh, anarcho communist types right well i don't i don't know what you mean by not a real anarchist but anyways um, well I'll, I'll explain to you if you'd like yeah, please. Go ahead. What's that mean? Well, a, a real anarchist thinks that they, um, you know, has some grand vision for how the, or excuse me, the, I, I don't know, uh, uh, one of these anarcho-communists has some sort of grand vision for how the world's going to be, and I don't know exactly how they intend to get there, but they do believe in no government. So an anarcho-syndicalist believes, uh, you know, that they'll have a bunch of little towns around, little city-states, where uh, people will all get along, and, and they'll all decide that's, to... That's not what an anarcho-syndicalist is. Uh, well, at least that's not not what this anarcho-syndicalist is, because I am an anarcho-syndicalist. All right, now I need to know uh, what the hell this anarcho-syndicalist thing means, because I've accepted your definition up until this point, Mark, and uh, we'll see what uh, what Nick has to say here in a moment. Which, again, you know, one of these this is one of the reasons why I don't consider myself an anarchist. I, it's not that I don't believe in rules. I think rules are great. I think private property is great. I'm a voluntarist. I think that's less confusing to everybody, and it doesn't align you with the Joker. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, and they include the archive. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website. 
And they're totally free. They go back for an entire year, by the way. That's a whole lot of free MP3s for you at freetalklive.com. Travel less and meet online. Try WebEx for free. Go to WebEx.com, enter promo code 600, and start your free trial of WebEx today. That's WebEx, W-E-B-E-X.com, and enter promo code 600. You can start your free trial of WebEx today and find out how to get your uh, free webcam. All right, as we continue with your calls, and Nick is still hanging on, he brought up the term, well, first you were talking about uh, anarchists helping out with a political campaign, and I know you had an ultimate point to make about that, so I want to make sure we yeah, get to I, that. I didn't really want to get into the definition. But I, I want to know now what an anarcho-syndicalist yeah, uh, well, yeah, is by I, your I definition. I, I'm gonna, and I'm going to explain that. Uh, what I would, basically this just goes into defining myself. I define myself as an individualist anarchist. I'm not afraid to use the word anarchist. In fact, I embrace it. I like the word anarchist, and I'll use it a lot. I mean, that that's I just like to identify myself with anarchism, and if people think that that's chaos, then I'll explain to them that it's not. I'm not chaotic, so if you ever see me, I'm a pretty well-dressed guy. I come from a pretty wealthy family, so uh, I'm not an anarchist in the sense of a joker. Gotcha. Uh, however, about anarcho-syndicalism, I would find myself as an individualist anarchist with significant leanings towards mutualism. Mutualism is an uh, economic theory developed by Pierre-Joseph Proudhon. And, Proudhon. Um, yeah, right. and ba- uh, P.J. Proudhon basically kind of goes into anarcho-syndicalism, not totally, but kind of in there with workers' co-ops. And I think that from a point of efficiency, many industries could be benefited by moving into a more co-op version where individuals own their means of production, but in collective, so that they kind of share the cost, but retain all the profit for themselves. So an employee-owned business, basically? Basically, basically something like that. I mean, it's still individually based. It's just that, let's say you have one carpenter. One carpenter can see a great deal of benefit in getting together with a bunch of other uh, other carpenters and creating a cooperative out of that. He might see that there is a higher incentive to do that as opposed to working under a uh, boss contractor. Yeah, so, I can see that yeah. would be. I mean, the more incentive that's built in for the people working uh, at any given place, uh, the more likely they are to be happy and they, you know stick around. I mean, if they're getting paid based on performance right. rather than getting paid based hourly, uh, it just you, you get better workers uh, out of that situation. But at the same time, I mean, you got to be real careful. There was a restaurant over in uh, Brattleboro that recently shut down where it was uh, communally run, and they were sharing all the profits. So really, I guess it depends on how you set it up, huh? Right, right. I mean, it, 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 there, there are plenty of examples of that, and there are plenty of examples of individually based uh, private uh, companies that are not co-ops going out of business, too. So it all depends on the uh, individual uh Example. Before you go on, you, you mentioned uh, Prudhan, and uh, his, his big famous quote that I recall is, property is theft. What do you mm. think about that? Uh, yes, he, also, he, he said property is theft, but in his book, What is Property?, he also said property is impossible and property is freedom. What Prudhan <laughs> is uh, referring to when he says property is theft is the property of his time, which was property basically drawn out from the quote-unquote feudal era. Um, where kings would give large pieces of land to noblemen 
who had never worked on the land, never even seen land, and that was called property. That is what he was I referring see. to when he said property is theft. That type of property is theft. Oh, However, interesting. The property that is not theft is the property that is legitimately homesteaded. That is property that I take with my own hands from the ground and create or contract for. That is liberation property. Uh, that's that's just something to kind of chew on. If if you okay, so uh, I don't, I still don't know if I quite understand anarcho syndicalism. Is that where I mean is is that inherently tied into the idea of this uh, worker co owning yeah thing? Yeah, basically that's why I would call myself an anarcho syndicalist because I believe in many industries there is an infi- there is a efficiency quality towards co-oping with other individuals. It minimizes the bureaucracy that you tend to find in large corporations. And but would I still be free? I mean, I would still be free to own my own business and hire oh, yeah. people. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Of course you would. Okay. Um, however, I, I think that some people might find it more advantageous and find more incentive in going into cooperative. I think that you'll. Uh, I think that um, many anarcho syndicalists would deviate with uh, your your sort of uh, plan of things. That's what that's what a lot of people tell me. But honestly, talking to because my family is from Italia, uh, when I whenever I go back there, which I do often, when I talk to most Italians, because if you go to an Italian village, you're you're going to find an anarchist. Um, when I talk to them about my ideas, they're very receptive, and that's what I was getting at at the uh, Italian anarchists and Spanish anarchists, because there is a strong, strong history of individualist anarchism within those two southern European countries. Now, there are a lot of theories about that. Basically, because it was more agrarian, you would be farther out, and you could kind of see that you're just an individual. Um, there was a lot more intuitiveness for individualist anarchism as opposed to anarcho-communism so, from Peter Kropotkin, so, which, which I think is often often too many times um, confused with a different type of um, anarchism that is often... Okay, I think we're getting too scholarly at this point, so yeah. let's, get back, to your, over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's get back to your original uh, point agree, here about, uh, you said the anarchists were helping with political campaigns? Well, what was happening in these revolutions, obviously these revolutions were not political in nature, they didn't go through the system, they were um, overthrowing the government. And in all of these situations, what seems to occur is that they would align with other kind of like-minded uh, groups, and they would go on to uh, overthrow the government. But after they overthrew the government, um, all these groups backstabbed the anarchists. And that is my fear, that if you align with other groups, you have to watch out. You have to be careful. These minarchists, the reformists, the Ron Paul people, I have no doubt in my mind that once there is a liberation, they will turn around and stab you in the back. The American Revolution, for example, John Adams, he was a radical in the beginning, uh, allied with uh, Samuel Adams and Thomas Jefferson. With the establishment of the United States uh, the Articles of Confederation, he started to work with James Madison and all the other what are now known as Federalists to instate the awful document known as the United States Constitution, which was, for all intents and purposes, a coup d'etat. Now, it was my my understanding that it was Sam Adams that was the big uh, liberty guy. Hmm? It was my understanding that Sam Adams was the big liberty guy, not John Adams. 
Um, you said you said John. Okay, okay, John. Um, Sam Adams was stabbed by uh, John, and uh, who who was the other? Um, James Madison, Madison and all the other Federalists, Alexander Hamilton. What occurred because of this revolution was that the Tories and the Conservatives stabbed them in the back, and that is what my concern well, is. Well, I think it's a legitimate concern, and I thank you for the call. I mean, it is politics, and these people are seeking power for a reason. They say it's to reduce the size of the state, and maybe they mean that in a few areas, but they always have their favorite government programs that they want to increase. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free. At 1-800-259-9231, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo, prove they listen to the show. You'll see them all at shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And do you have a company or know of a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner right there at the top of our website at freetalklive.com. That again, SACL CAI. As we continue with your calls, and we go to Dave listening to WAIS in Ohio. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. Hearing on the radio the other day, I heard that China doesn't treat people with disabilities very right. Mm. What do you mean by that? What do they do? They give them menial jobs. Menial jobs? Yes, menial labor. And and, um, I heard that they were afraid of NGOs or non-governmental organizations. I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, you know, obviously they they want to control as much as they possibly can. I've been watching. I can't imagine it's uh, real good for for somebody with disabilities over there, but uh, you know, it's a a lot of governments don't treat them uh, people people with disabilities particularly well. I'm thinking there needs to be something done on the individual level. Like what? Like urging. Advocates to speak up against the harm that our government's doing to us. Man, I think it's I think it's a good idea. I don't know how successful it'll be in China, where they've got an absolute lockdown on uh, the media. There, I mean, if you start reporting, somebody's got to start it somewhere. Well, I understand that, uh, and there are a lot of people trying to speak out about about various different issues in China, and they're dealing with a, a very oppressive regime. That you know, if you question the uh, the communist government there publicly they could come down on you i mean they they have uh, approval boards as i understand it they've got you know the newspaper editors have to essentially submit to some sort of uh, censor i mean there's there's a censor above the editor basically a, like a chinese government censor that is the end all be all of of what gets printed over there so and what's that is it's what we're becoming too 
Well, uh, certainly the uh, the government people at the uh, the United States government are fast becoming more and more like the Chinese. You're absolutely right, and Dave, thank you for the call tonight. Right. I appreciate the concern. And I, I agree with the sentiment, and I think that uh, the Internet's going to be an important key to helping China free information, free information over in China. I mean, certainly we already know from Gene, the Christian anarchist who's called in a few times, he's visited China and always calls us from there and you know tells us about some of the stuff that goes on. We've also heard other stories about how you can get unf- uh, unfiltered Internet access in China. It is possible. You know, you have to know the right Internet cafe to go to, and they have to know you. And, you know, it's kind of an underground thing. I mean, basically it's black black market internet access, but it does exist. And as long as there are those channels where people can get that outside information that they're looking for and they can get those alternate opinions than what they're being uh, force-fed by the the Chinese state-run press, then that will help spur uh, the ideas that are necessary to get into people's heads to start questioning their system over there and, I don't know, bring it all down. Certainly the Chinese government isn't what it used to be. I mean, it's... At least they're not exterminating the mentally uh, challenged people over there like some other regimes might deem it appropriate to do. Um, So it could be worse, and it has been worse in China, especially with their economic situation, which is much improving today. Uh, It's not perfect. It's not a free marketplace, and the government is still involved very heavily uh, with a lot of the business, a lot of state-run businesses um, there in China. But all that said, it's much easier to do some economic activities in China than it is here in America. I mean, to, to just go and set up shop somewhere probably doesn't require begging bureaucratic permission. Well, certainly not in Hong Kong, but I'm not sure that that's true everywhere. Yeah, I can't speak for our, for you know all of uh, all If you of China, imagine but... building a big building where you're going to be doing stuff, I imagine that you're going to have to ask, ask all kind of permission. Oh, yeah, yeah. Setting up a shack like someplace a, yeah. is something different. That's what I meant. Yeah, just you know something small, something that the average person can reach. But here in America, it might be difficult because then you have to beg for permission to open up your, your store, whereas you may not have to there. So there's some differences, and, you know, they, they've, they've definitely changed a lot over the last few decades, and I, I would say it's for the better, but that's still not saying very much. 800-259-9231 is the number for you. This email came in from Mike about the whole controversy last week uh, in regards to the, the conspiracy uh, the fringe conspiracy promoters calling this radio program. He says, Ian and Mark, I've always thought it was tragic and unproductive the way that you two, mainly Ian, piss off conspiracy kooks. First, let me... I usually s- just be quiet, because, but I'm, I can't say that I uh, am, am not implicit in this. I can definitely am. First of all, let me say up front that although I think the controlled demolition truth movement is crackpot, I find alt, or as we now call it, fringe Uh, I find alternative investigations into secret history that follow the trails of government assassins, patsies, and money to be extremely interesting. Although I agree completely with Ian when he says that the hidden history of government conspiracies doesn't matter at all compared to the matter all out in the open of institutionalized crimes of the state. Why worry about who ordered the JFK hit or 9-11 when we should be fighting the universally loved crimes of standing armies, fiat money, and taxation? Not to mention the police state. But it's uh, as absurd as it is to listen to somebody like Rosie O'Donnell talk about the physics of thermite and molten steel and base all of her distrust in government in something as incomprehensible as that. I'm still smart enough to understand that for a million reasons, it's rude and counterproductive to merely mock her and appear to join in with the government who who says one is either with the government or you're a kook. 
Now, to be fair to our position, uh, the, pro- the position we had previously taken on the program, I never took the government's side of the, the case. I would never align myself with either side because it was my position that it was irrelevant. I essentially go with the government position simply because uh, that's the one that's accepted by most people. But I'll argue from um, the standpoint that, you know, the, the you know I- I'll argue any position on it uh, in, in the sense that it doesn't really matter to me either. He says at least these people have a distrust of the government based on something, even if it is irrational and nutty. The proper way for sensible uh, pro-liberty people and voluntarists to deal with conspiracy nuts is to be nice to them. You can kindly tell them that you find things like analyzing building demolitions to be too technical for you. And then you can use the opportunity to point out things about 9-11 that make the conspiracy nut consider his own complicity in 9-11 and that he might need to straighten up his thinking about such matters. For example, you could point out that the illegal U.S. Standing Army, the CIA and others, had command and control centers in the World Trade Center and without a standing military in Pentagon and an empire, there never would have been a pretext to claim that 19 patsies were pissed off enough to hijack airlines and fly them into the WTC and Pentagon. Incidentally, Mark, I love the way you handled that vet who was pissed off that you weren't grateful for his service. Why piss these people off over contrails and lizard people? That's not good radio. I can listen to Rush Limbaugh make fun of conspiracy kooks. Be sweet to them over their questionable ideas. Don't come off like you won't honestly consider what they can articulate in a few sentences in a call, which usually isn't much. Give them their due and fight with them about Mexicans and the unconstitutional military-industrial complex. That's good radio. And if they won't turn you off, and they won't turn you off if you limit the fireworks to those issues, because on those issues, they know deep in their hearts that they're wrong. Possibly because of all their conspiracy kookery, they know that the veterans only serve themselves and the politicians and not the taxpayers. And they also know deep down that sicking the police state on Mexicans is only blowing back in their faces and enslaving themselves. So Mike says, uh, and I, I think that we kind of came to this conclusion last week after much you know, discussion over these issues is that our old strategy of being mean to the conspiracy, the fringe conspiracy promoters, you know, failed. It failed miserably. You know, we were pushing back against them and we got more of them. They didn't stop calling. So we're going to sweeten the pie, I guess, a little bit with uh, these folks when when they call in. And that doesn't mean we'll talk. That doesn't mean I'm going to tolerate them just calling in and running down factoid after factoid. I understand that's what some of them would like to do. They've got a whole list of, well, did you know that the thermite and the million whatever facts that they want to spew out about 9-11 and their allegations. We'll let them come in with a fact or two. Their claims, a couple, maybe a couple claims, and then Free talk live. you know, then we'll question them on it, and, and we'll move on. Um, you know, we'll and we'll make our points without being mean and calling names. So, fringe conspiracy promoters is now what they are, not kooks or crackpots. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Of course, would love your thoughts on this. You can bring up whatever you want, and then maybe they'll listen to us a little bit better if we're not uh, so mean. Or coming up, free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, there are free. So enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system, the live streams, and more. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites, and we give ours away. Now, if you like Free Talk Live... 
and you want to help support the show, you can become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you can help us get on more radio stations and talk about liberty and freedom in more places and have more people's ears listening to the program just by sending us 3 bucks a month. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about it, and you'll learn about the perks you get access to, like the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com as we continue with your phone calls. It is Dave in Montana, apparently listening online. Hello, Dave. Hey, yo. Hey, Dave. I'm so glad you called, Dave. Dave, I'm so glad you called. I was, I, you're, the, you're the thing I'm going to miss the most about KGE. Hey, I broke down and got a laptop. I call it a flap top because it flaps open. I don't use it on my lap. I got it on a table. <laughs> That's good, too, and, because and they I get hot. I got the quick online thing. My son's all happy now. He could play his games online and everything. I, I told him, I said, oh, we, we're going to modern up over here. Was, was Free Talk Live a uh, motivating factor in picking up yeah, that, that laptop? Yeah, that was one of them, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, Dave, now, that our listeners I, were very concerned. Like a, our listeners like were bottom, concerned they were going to lose you, man, and so I'm sure they're happy to know that uh, that you're still listening. It's like a bottomless pit, this thing, man. I, I brought the world into my living room now. It oh, is yeah. that. <laughs> well, you know, I was watching this video that I think somebody posted on the Free Talk Live forum about the uh, the fact that the web, the World Wide Web, has only existed for less than 5,000 days. And yeah. the uh, the guy was talking about what was coming next, uh, you know, in the next 5,000 days of the web. And I want to be able to talk to this thing, and it does what I say. That's <laughs> what I want. That's actually... I, I just happen to... Bump into being able to tune in on you because I don't know how to operate the thing yet, but I'll get. I'll get but you it. figured it out, and you know, practice makes perfect uh, with these things. Uh, you definitely have to just keep keep trying new things. Don't be and afraid. I don't type. I'm a hen pecker, so it takes like <laughs> five minutes just to write. FreeTalkLive.com. Well, you'll get better. We're glad you took the effort, and uh, we're glad you're still out there. Do you have any comments for us, Dave? No, I just want to say, uh, them pe- a lot of them people, man, are just. Like Congress, I said, they're just hard-headed, and if you talk one thing about legalization of pot, all of a sudden you're just a pothead, and they don't want to listen to you. Yeah. And, well, uh, hey, Dave. Um, these people are the ones screaming freedom, and they don't understand there's 800,000 political prisoners because of a plant. Sure. It's and that, crazy. That doesn't include the and other 800,000. for clicker right there. Once... We take care of that problem. Maybe we start getting some freedom, man. Then people shouldn't be in jail. No at doubt. All. Absolutely, Dave. I'm with you, Mark. You had a comment, Dave. Um, you said you had a son, and uh, you're you're a big uh, marijuana uh, legalization activist. I don't know that that means that that means that you smoke it or anything. But we had somebody call in. Uh, well, hemp, the whole thing, cannabis, right. the plant, yep. and it, it. I know two people that committed suicide because. The girls were on these psychotopic depression pills, and and all they had to do was really smoke a big fat one, and they'd be all right. <laughs> but you you tell them that, and they go, but that's against the law. Yeah. And so they go out and drink vodka all night and, and take their depression pills, and they get more depressed, and then they don't like the way they feel on them pills. Then they stop the pills without going on the other crap you got to take to come off them and and they end up offing themselves when all they really had to do was smoke a big fat joint and get laid every once in a while and not <laughs> worry about it and, and they'd be all right 
Somebody ought to make you a doctor, Dave. That's some good advice. I appreciate your call. Yeah, and, and, yes, sir? And, and here they are trying to tell me that because I smoke a plant, they're going to take my house. If I grow it, they're going to take my house, take my kid. What are they, nuts? They are. People are crazy, man. Yep. And they're, they're dragging us down into tyranny closer and closer. Well, I'm glad and, there are good people like you out there willing to get on the radio right, and talk and some I, sense. I want to tell people, remember the rodeo clown, man. It, he charges it? the bull when everybody's running away, and that's what we got to take mm. the spirit of the rodeo clown and charge the bull, the bull of tyranny. Every time awesome. you see it, every time you hear it, you speak, yell, scream, and practice freedom of speech. Everybody's now, trying to tell us to shut up. This is an Make interesting analogy because now, does the rodeo? I'm not too familiar with the rodeo clown. Does he in any way attack the bull, or does he just well, jump around? It's and stuff? when the the cowboy gets in trouble, he gets hung up on the bull, and the bull's bucking and everything. They jump on the bull. They jump on his head. They try to tackle the bull. They to cut the cowboy free they do one's jumping in front of them the other one's jumping on the cowboy it's they're they're wild men and and that's what we got to be very cool dave as always good hearing from you and we hope to continue uh hearing from you in the future enjoy oh, yeah, your I'm laptop sir yeah it's good at the internet good stuff thank you for the call dude 800-259-9231 so what i be- begun to talk about was this video uh about the next five thousand days of the web mm-hmm. and you know just one guy's uh vision for and he certainly knows more than you and i do about what's happening and he was talking about uh how the the internet is essentially this machine that never goes down um, I mean, we've never had in the history of mankind a machine that never stops. Like, you know, you build a car, eventually it's going to break down. Right. You, any other kind of machine, your individual computer is going to break down after it runs for long enough. But if, you know, individual computers come off and on the Internet, the Internet itself as a, as a concept, as an entity, will continue to exist. And he was talking about all the different, you know, the process, like sort of calculating how many computers are on the Internet and what all that processing power totals up to and, you know, how much RAM there is out there and all of this stuff. And he basically came to the conclusion that the amount of processing power on the Internet right now is roughly equivalent to the processing power of one human brain. And really? Yeah. Human brains are that powerful? That was what he suggested. Maybe I misinterpreted, but that was what I understood from his presentation. And so then he was talking about how the difference, of course, is our human brains are not doubling in their capacity every single year. No, and so it's at that point now. But next year it'll be two brains. Yeah, three, Mm -hmm. four, five years out, you're going to see significant doubling of uh, the 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 power of this concept of the internet. And he was talking about what he expected it to. Well, it's not double. But hold on, you said the processing power doubles every um, twelve months currently, and everybody doesn't get a new computer every twelve months. No, that's true. But they do upgrade over time, and and you know it filters in. So still using a computer I bought in two thousand and two. Yeah, but you're t- thinking about getting a new one. Yeah, this one's working now. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Anyway, uh, there are always new new computers being purchased and, and entering into the marketplace, and old ones are dying and being replaced. So, you know, the fact is uh, technology continues to increase at this amazing clip. And he was talking about that all of the devices that we have now, uh, our computers and our cell phones and these other devices that are somehow tied into the grid of the Internet, basically, are – they're becoming less individual kind of uh, workstations and becoming more tied into the Internet. We're seeing things like Google Docs or Google Email where you can go online and your email stored on the Internet in this sort of vast 
nothingness that is also you know everything at the same time. Your Google email is backed up, so if one of Google servers crashes, they've got ten other servers that are you know running to uh, keep the service going. So your email can't ever be deleted unless you intend to delete it. There's no hard drive crash that can threaten that data. Uh, the Google Docs is sort of a similar idea where you can have a spreadsheet, for instance, or a or document of some sort mm-hmm. on the internet. Uh, again, it exists out into out in that realm. It doesn't exist anywhere on your hard drive. And you go and you can edit it online. You can, for instance, I could authorize you, Mark, to come in and edit that same document. And you can have different people come in and and make changes to the same piece of work rather than having you know one copy on your computer and having to send that file to somebody else when they need it and you know that kind of inefficient way of of dealing with things. And so he was talking about how these uh, different internet devices that we have are basically windows into that one machine. Yeah, sure, that machine is made up of a a whole bunch of individual servers and and people surfing the internet and different individuals are there part of that machine, but but the internet as an entity is this massive knowledge base that, you know, nobody could ever have envisioned even 10 years ago that, that this stuff would be possible. I mean, he, he made the point that who would have th- who would have said uh, in the mid-90s if you came to them and told them what Wikipedia was going to be, that somebody was going to put a website online. Well, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that it would have worked. Right. Oh, come on. You're going to make a, uh, a an online encyclopedia anybody can modify? Right. That thing's going to be vandalized to the point that it's going to be completely useless. Or who would want to go and bother? I mean, who cares? Why would you go to that one website to, to do all that work? Why would somebody spend all their time right. writing things? The profit things? motive um, simply won't allow Wikipedia to work. Right. Um, there's going to be somebody out there that can make a profit off of their encyclopedia. They'll create a better one, and no one will use Wikipedia. So anyway, he was tying it all into the idea of convergence and that this is all we're all just sort of this machine, this internet machine is going to continue getting smarter and smarter, and then, you know, eventually uh, AI will be born, and hopefully it'll treat us nice. <laughs> it was pretty interesting, uh, because at the web, less than 5,000 days old, and look at all that has happened so far, all of the information that's now at your fingertips and that we just take for granted. More coming up. You take control. Hour 3, on the way. Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Your call's primary. We go to your uh, phones, and we talk to Terry in Michigan. Terry, you are on Free Talk Live. Uh, yes, I'd uh, like to ask you what you thought. Uh, I'm kind of in favor of the offshore drilling, but what? Uh, how do you feel about 
offshore drilling do? Should we do it or not? I think that uh, individuals and businesses should be able to own sections of the ocean. And so, yeah, absolutely, they should be able to drill wherever it is that they can own property. And I think they should be able to own property wherever anybody is willing to sell it to them or they can homestead it. Uh, I think that uh, that's a fine idea. And I think that one of the sad things about the oil situation in this country is that the government restricts these oil companies from building new platforms. They can't go out and actually create brand new technology. They have to shut down their existing platforms and sort of upgrade those, and that can only really go so far as far as increasing capacity. So they're really hamstrung uh, as far as their production uh, capacity by the government regulations, and I think that having more freedom in that department will result in more competition and probably some low, uh, lower prices. I, yeah, I think well, it's your Democrats that don't want it there. Yeah, I think it. Uh, some of them, um, some of them in the in Washington. I think a lot of uh, you know voting type Democrats. They they want it. They just want people. The people of America just want lower gas prices, and they'll take whatever it uh, uh, takes to get it. But I think that uh, to some extent, it's it's refining capacity too. Oh, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. It was refineries. I guess those are two separate locations. Do they drill and refine at the same location? No, generally not. Huh. Okay. Well, either way, as I say, the uh, the ocean should be able to be homesteaded instead of just being this massive, unowned um, sort of international zone that it currently is. One of our, I guess one of our Democrats here in Michigan, Mark Schauer from Battle Creek, uh, uh, nearby Battle Creek, he wants to, here in Michigan, he wants to tax these oil companies. Tax the oil companies? Yeah. Well, that's oh, that's going to increase prices. That's going to increase, increase the yeah. price of uh, uh, gasoline because you can't tax any uh, business and expect that the business absorbs. It's always the, the, the customer. Right. The uh, CEO is not going to cut his paycheck in order to absorb the uh, the extra taxation. They're just going to yeah, go. Yeah, I, I think some of your Democrats just don't get it. Well, no. I mean, most. Well, now most uh, people in in government, uh, Democrat or Republican or whatever, I I find the label pretty uh, irrelevant. Uh, but most of them don't really have a real grasp on uh, the uh, on economics, or if they do, they just don't care and they don't mind controlling the economy as much as they possibly can for whatever their motivations. Right. Are. Oil should be. Um, there, there shouldn't be any uh, subsidies for. Oil and there shouldn't be any extra taxes for it either. Right. Similar example of uh, how the Republicans. I mean, again, I'm. I'm. Since you're generalizing, I'm going to generalize here. How the Republicans don't understand the economy is they believe they can stop things like drugs. I mean, with their little government programs and their re- their police raids and their enforcement activities. I mean, you can't stop supply and demand. The fact is, you can put as many roadblocks up as you want in the the political realm and try to stop people from doing business in the way they intend to do business. But all you really succeed in doing is driving it underground and, and making it more dangerous. And you would think that somebody that understood economics would get that. But they have a, I mean, even if they understood economics, they have a higher drive to control what it is that you do with your life and the choices that you can make. And so that seems to override any sort of uh, logic that might be going on in their minds. Thanks for the call tonight and the question. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Let's go unscreened to the amp line. Who's this? Greetings, Freedom Fighters. This Hello. is Dennis in New Hampshire. Hey, Dennis. What's on your mind tonight? So you guys were talking about artificial intelligence and all that jazz. Yeah. And uh, so by way of some background, I actually spent a fair amount of time um, doing graduate work in artificial intelligence-related studies over at UW-Madison before I decided that's not what I wanted to do. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I I attended a symposium back in 2000. By uh, it was sort of put together by a guy named Douglas Hofstetter, who is who is truly awesome. He wrote this book, Gödel Escherbach, brilliant, brilliant guy. 
anyways, the title of the symposium was Who Will Be We in 2093? Okay. The idea being that, you know, on present trends, uh, you know, a computer, like a desktop computer, will be more intelligent than 100 humans, say, around 2100. Really? That seems like a long kind of trend. I would expect it to be sooner. <laughs> Damn, you're hard to impress, Ian. <laughs> so, so yeah, who will be we in 2093? And they had a bunch of people there, um, Ray Kurzweil, The Age of Spiritual Machines, Bill Joy from Sun Microsystems. Uh, he, he's kind of a killjoy, actually. He's really afraid of nanotech, and he thinks hmm. we should never, never touch nanotech because he's scared it will turn us into a gray goo. Oh, jeez. But it was an interesting question, and, and it's coming from some fairly, you know, this isn't radical, chaotic, out there stuff. This was at, you know, it was a symposium. It was at Stanford. And these are some of the, you know, respected people in the industry and academia basically just, you know, picking out a target, finger in the air, 2100. Definitely you can expect, you know, computers to be more intelligent than humans can think about being. And, you know, it, it really is just a matter of time with the Internet. It's kind of interesting that the way that your computer differs from a real smart brain thing is mm -hmm. that it's not parallel. And, of course, what's the Internet? So... It's well, uh, yeah, computers it's running parallel. in parallel, yeah, I'm not sure. is what you're saying, right? <laughs> totally, yeah. So very, very interesting. There was an interesting thought experiment by a sci-fi author named Stanislaw Lem. This is kind of weird. What if everybody on Earth had one little neuron that was linked up by whatever, the Internet, wireless, whatever, to some other neurons in the area, and we all just had our neurons, you know, and they fired kind of when a regular neuron in a brain would fire, would there really be, like, a big distributed Earth-sized brain? It's pretty, it's pretty mind-boggling to think about things like this. And I mean, then you think about uh, what life is going to be like at that time when, you know, you get to this point of artificial intelligence, uh, the, the singularity, as it's been described, being able to improve upon itself at that point. And I think that, you know, I don't know if that 2100 number takes, takes that into effect. Like, you know, once, once machines are intelligent enough to start just repairing themselves and uh, upgrading their own uh, circuitry and, and programming, then we, we can't even predict how, uh, you know, uh, Moore's law will become irrelevant in that, you know, who knows, maybe it'll, the technology levels will increase by uh, four, uh, fourfold the first year and 16-fold the year after that. So, I mean, it's really kind of hard to envision exactly how fast this could come about and what all the ramifications are. I mean, we already know that in today's world, time uh, is still 24 hours in a day and it's still 365 days around the sun, but there's more getting done in that same amount of time. And well, it's an interesting thought experiment, to sort of taking that to its logical conclusion, again, from, from Stanislaw Lem. What if at a certain point, like the – well, again, I guess – I don't know where the term singularity comes from, but, yeah, the idea that a, a thing becomes so intelligent that it just starts to draw – I mean, if you can draw a parallel between information, energy, and matter, like you can between just energy and matter, and it, through some dimensional funniness, you can – it's kind of tortured, but you can. So, you know, what if something that becomes sufficiently intelligent kind of tips itself over into a black hole, basically, just starts acquiring information at too great a rate? And <laughs> like, are the smartest things in the universe things that hover just as close as they can to being a black hole? When, when, did, the com when did the computers take over, Dennis? <laughs> oh, well, you know, when Skynet... Oh, frig, we already have a Skynet. I'd, you think you're, you're asking the wrong tense, Mark. Wrong tense. <laughs> when did they take over? <laughs> now, at this point, right at this the point, the, the the big government fascists are in control. I'm sure of it. So no, they only think they are. They hire geeks, man. Okay. <laughs>
Yeah, but yeah. the geeks aren't uh, very well, uh, you know, organized. Uh, unionized. Yeah, yeah, well, they can't even dress. Well, that's why I say that you know the government people better look out if they decide to regulate the internet and try to clamp down on internet freedom. I think they're gonna um, they're going to take on an assault unlike they've ever experienced uh, from the the hacker community. And uh, I look forward to that day if it actually comes. Uh, hopefully, it won't, but if it does, should be interesting. Thanks, Dennis, for the call tonight. Appreciate the uh, thoughtfulness. 800-259-9231. Interesting to think about, you know, what it'll mean when, you know, what will life be like when you manage to, uh, you know, talking about nanotechnology, where the machines are able to uh, send these little teeny machines into your body and essentially restructure you from the inside out. Uh, essentially melding you with technology to where sleep is no longer necessary, to where eating is no longer necessary. I mean, all of these things that we take for granted as things we have to do to, to survive. To where the away. giant computer that runs everything can take over your brain, and, and you won't even know that you're being ruled. <laughs> 800-259-9231. All this negativity, Mark. Come on, let's be excited They're about gonna the They're going to take future. over. <laughs> More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, including live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version. Both are free for you, so enjoy them on us at freetalklive.com. If you're thinking about starting a business, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is both fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, living wills, living trusts, trademarks, power of attorney, anything that you need just in sort of the average course of life. LegalZoom.com will do it for you fast, easy, and a heck of a lot cheaper than a lawyer will. Um, You can use code FTL. To save $10 off your order, that's LegalZoom.com. 1-800-259-9231. You call about anything. We were talking a few moments ago with Dennis in New Hampshire about the idea of, you know, this technological convergence that's uh, coming up, crossing the worlds of analog and the worlds of digital, all linking everything together. And, you know, what will happen in the future as uh, the Internet continues to become more and more pervasive in our lives as the uh, the internet has become a, an appliance that we take for granted. I mean, it's a part of our lives. It's so integral. It's hard to imagine, Mark, what it was like for our our uh, the people that came first in this talk radio industry, mm. having to do their show prep from the newspaper or whatever other few news sources would would have been available. I can at that hardly time. imagine what it's like, what it would what it would have been like, uh, just having four or five newspapers sitting around you trying to come up with your stories yeah. for the next day. I'm sure you get the big ones, Washington Post and the New York Times and L.A. whatever. But man, it, m- it must have been hard, right? Or just imagining what life would be like without having the ability to just go and hit a search engine, uh, Google or uh, Cool or whatever search engine you use, and, and get, you know. Just gather all this information that is just out there for free, and so it's already so mind-boggling, and it's 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 just it's fun to think about what things would be like in the future, 
uh, especially as again I use the term convergence, where you know we've got these uh, machines that will be melding with uh, humans, and we'll have biomechanical stuff going on. You'll be able to uh, to to meld with technology to extend your life to who knows how long, you know, maybe forever, thousands of years, perhaps. And just kind of envisioning what it is that we take for granted today is what that just won't be necessary in the future. I mean, you know, the the scene in the Matrix where Cipher is, um, you know, he's he wants to get back into the Matrix so he can have uh, he can taste things again. Right, he's eating to eat a, the a big delicious steak uh, instead of having to eat the slop that uh, that actually exists in reality. He'd rather have the uh, the fake steak being transmitted to the uh, the synapses in his brain. And if we get to the point where we don't need, I mean, with our robot bodies or whatever, our biomechanical structure, if we don't actually need to eat, then it'll be a real rare occasion when you actually decide to sit down for a meal. I mean, maybe you won't even have the digestive system anymore to where you'll, you'll have to hook up to some sort of a, a simulator to simulate what it was like to eat a steak just for, you know, for old time's sake. Hey, Mark, you want to go out to eat for old time's sake? I mean, when... Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, I don't think we're going to be getting rid of our uh, ability to eat anytime soon. People get a great deal of satisfaction in life out fun. of eating. It is and, um it's also something that they generally do in groups, uh, special occasions, sure. things like that. So I just think it's one of those things that's going to be uh, different in the future, and I don't think we can even accurately predict right here what it's going to be like and in, in what our lives. Are I don't know, man. Um, I, I think people make a lot of predictions about the future, and they just don't know. I mean, would you have guessed that here in 2008 we'd still be bathing with water? That technology hasn't exactly improved over the course of mankind. Mm. They were still bathing in water. They yeah. were still essentially using soap. We need like a laser bath or something, right? right? Yeah, like there, there's some kind of sonic baths yeah. out there, at least for uh, I think it's uh, dental equipment and things like that. I'm maybe we'll go to something mm-hmm. something uh, bigger. I just remember the television show. Kids, look this up. Space 1999 <laughs> with the out-of-control ro- robots and, uh, they, they, you know, they're in a spaceship lost in space kind of thing. Right. Space 1999, my friend. It's th- – no. Life is That's l- just nothing. fiction, though. That's so just, is I mean, what you're talking about. Well, I don't. I think it's pretty much inevitable. Yours is speculation, to, which it isn't even as thought out as well as the fiction. It was. seems inevitable that we'll be melting with technology into the future. Let's go to Michael in New Hampshire on the amp line for your thoughts, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, um, sir. I, I I could not resist this conversation because uh, I, I guess I am one of those hackers who, uh, if something happens, will be called on to save the world. Excellent. So. Uh, uh, the the future you're painting here, there, there there are aspects of it that I really like and really find exciting, and there are aspects of it that, uh, and uh, I tell you what, people can't see you smiling on the cam- on on the on the radio, so uh, <laughs> I can see you on the cam, but uh, just to let you know, but but there are aspects of it that really scare me, and the just to illustrate, everybody out there who owns a computer has had the experience of telling the computer to do something and having it do something else. <laughs> now, this is, this is mainly because most people use Windows, and, and Windows does what the people in, at Microsoft wanted to do. And uh, I, use, I use Linux, and for the most part, it does what I want it to do, and if it doesn't, I can change it. Now, what scares me about, about these future scenarios is when a computer doesn't do what you want it to do, 
and the computer has its own volition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, uh, I think that one of the prerequisites for getting to this point should be getting rid of the idea of governments. So at least then, uh, you know, those evil people can't be stealing people's money to fund evil computer projects. And then we'll, you know, maybe the marketplace will have just more beneficial sorts of uh, computing applications. But certainly understood, uh, understand the concern. I mean, computers are programmed by fallible humans. And when the fallible humans make a mistake in the uh, the programming code, it uh, results in serious frustration and, uh, and, and problems for the end user. Uh, of course, you know, the question becomes when the computer, uh, when the AI is born or whatever, and can, it can actually program itself, then what will things be like? I mean, how fallible will it be? Well, that, that, that's the ultimate question. I mean, uh, when a computer gains sentience, it, it doesn't necessarily subscribe to the non-aggression principle or, or any particular human politics. It's, it's going to have its own motivations and its own reasoning and its own way of, of looking at things. And it's probably so, going to consider us uh, as expendable as we do ants when we step on them. Yeah, hopefully its motivation won't be exterminate. Right. So, I, so yeah, that, there, there are aspects of the future, that sort of future, that I definitely do not look forward to. Well, you know, I, I, I got you, and I'm with you, and I share your concerns, but all that said, it is, don't you feel like it's pretty much inevitable? Like, whatever those problems are, we're going to have to cross those bridges when we come to them and deal with them, however we're going to handle it with, uh, you know, com- uh, maybe competing code or uh, robots that are on our side or whatever it would, would take uh, to, to deal with those situations. One thing's for sure without some sort of massive worldwide calamity like the end of uh, Escape from L.A. where all of uh, the electronics in the entire Earth actually shut down, without some sort of calamity like that, I mean, this seems seems like this convergence is kind of inevitable. It, it, it does seem so, but I tell you what, uh, researchers who have actually been, actually been working on AI have been saying... I hear the music. They've been saying for they've been saying, "Well, we're five years away," but they've been saying this for the last fifty years. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens, and only time will tell. And thank you for the call tonight, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. This is your show. You bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control and bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site, they're free, and they include the updates. You get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And a new online store featuring whimsical decorative knobs and polls is open for business. Funknobs.com is catered toward consumers looking to give the playroom, kids' room, bathroom, or even the kitchen, a unique and fun flair. Toll-free phone customer service is also available at 1-877-820-9224. Funknobs.com is the creation of parent company Internobs.com online since 2004. That's Funknobs.com. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to Andrew in Tennessee. Andrew, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, Andrew, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, I just heard about, you know, the Russians invading Georgia not too long ago. Me and my boy uh, Mudkips and Mildew are on our way down there right now. Is that right, Mudkips? 
Yes, sir. Mudkips. He's got a 22. And my buddy over here has got 30 on six. <laughs> now, what are you going to fight for the Georgians or the Russians? Hey, yeah, we just heard about them. Uh, they're invading Georgia right now. We figure we'd oh, make I our see. way down there. You know, we're in traffic right now, but, you know, we're stuck. We're, we're going through it right now. Where are I, you? I hear they're in Macon. <laughs> you, you heard what? I hear they're in Macon. The Russians they're are Macon. in Macon. Well, see, the thing was, um, I got a call from my boy uh, not too long ago saying that they were slaughtering everyone down there, so we thought we'd make a trip down, and I got my uh, 30-06. M24 sniper rifle. You know, are I've you, heard are, about who. Are, are, which which town are you going to head to first? You going to Alpharetta? You going to Macon? Athens? No, no we're not going to Macon. We're going right for Atlanta, man. That's where they are. They're all up there in Atlanta, you know, on the rooftops. You know, I've heard what tank. you want to do is you want to go after the leader, right? I mean, you want to ideally you want to take out whoever it is that's calling the shots. And I've heard that uh, that actually Rick Roll is in charge no, of the entire operation. No, I heard about. It. I heard the guy's name was Rasputin. <laughs> So, so how do you know what Rasputin looks like? Who are you going to shoot in Atlanta? Well, well, I mean, I'm saying Rasputin's a tall guy, about seven feet tall, beard, kind of looks like that dude from Harry Potter, named like Gandalf or something. Well, I sincerely hope you identify him before you just go ahead and shoot him. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Uh, hey. well, we, we plan to take out as many as we can, sir. You know, I was serving in Desert Storm not too long ago, about 15 years ago. Good luck with that, man. God bless you, Appreciate boys. Appreciate the call. Thanks good for free. Thank you. <laughs> Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Poor Georgia. What is all that about, Mark? Have you been been paying attention? Well, to that a little story? bit. Um, you know, uh, there's there were some separa- uh, separatists in Georgia, and there's disputes over uh, border stuff going on with uh, Russia, and so Russia actually rolled all the way through past the separatists and everything um, hmm. in, into Georgia. Now, obviously, maybe a separatist is the right word. Um, I don't know. That's the word they're using in the media for whatever that's worth. Yeah, they um, and Georgia has uh, you know a big pipeline going through it, so it's valuable. And uh-huh. Putin probably isn't going to take over Georgia. He just wants to. Uh, uh, this is the Russian Georgia, the the, the uh, yes. m- Middle right. Eastern, not Middle Eastern, but the original uh, Georgia. Yeah, the yeah. Asian or uh, East European Georgia. Um, so, and I don't know that it's original. So, but were the separatists were they uh, starting something with the the Russian people, or the Russians invaded? Right? Or, I, I don't know who started what. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to how it all I always began. get hung up whenever I hear their name, Shakashvili. I just think it's so interesting, you know, like musical, that I, I, I don't really hear <laughs> you much You can't pay else. any attention to anything else? Oh, my. If you know a little bit more about the uh, the Georgian situation and what got it started, I'm quite curious about it. Was it just an unprovoked attack by the Russians on these people that were trying to break away from something? I. Uh, Curious. Well, no, they're they're their own nation. I I, I think well, that maybe, maybe, a, more, maybe a bigger part is trying to uh, separate than than Russia would like. Who knows? Hmm. I'm curious. Anyway, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Long Journey calling from Texas, listening on Stick AM at cam dot dot com. Hello there. Hey guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, almost fell asleep waiting for you guys. Here, we're back. Yeah, the phones are busy, busy, so I appreciate your patience. What's on Oh, your no, I appreciate your uh, putting me on here. Thank you very much. You guys have a fantastic radio show. Thank you. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I have a couple things on my mind. Um, China. China is a beautiful country, and they're also hosting the Olympiads. The Olympics. That's true. Which is fantastic. But I guess really, I've always been bored by the Olympics, just bored to tears. Never found any. I never found it a interesting. A lot of people like it. Yeah, I guess, but it doesn't really seem that that many people like it. Yet it still gets all kinds of attention. Anyway, yeah, go ahead with your point. So my point is, can I talk about politics? You can talk about anything. It's free talk live. 
We, Fantastic. We, we may not be on your side on it, but go ahead. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Yes, sir. Um, I don't know. Where do I start? I mean... Start at the beginning. You obviously live in the United States. And uh, actually, before I start my, um, my conversation about the Olympics in China, would you guys mind if I ask you... Yes? Hello? Long journey? Wow, that's suspenseful. Uh, maybe he could call it's back. A, it's a dramatic pause. Yeah, I'm curious as to uh, where he was going with that. So we'll try to sneak him back in here. But let's go in the meantime to William in Wyoming. Maybe he was on a, a I don't know, cell phone or something. William, you're yes. on Free Talk Live. Hi, uh, I am a citizen of the United States of America also. Uh, I, I wanted to call Sorry about to hear the that. right to vote at all levels, federal all the way on down to municipal, county, local. Uh, I... Uh, have uh, have uh, registered to vote in a particular town uh, in the state that I'm in, and I have been made a target. Why? I'm not wanted for anything. I haven't broken any laws. Uh, I uh, this has to do with the abuse of the uh, municipal codes. Uh, I know that that uh, I, I may not be at liberty to talk of your other talk show host who is on the GCN network. Uh, who has talked about this, uh, about uh, the abuse? When, when you say his, you've been made a target, what, what do you mean? Can you give us some examples? Uh, specifically, uh, uh, I had uh, driven out last year from the Great Lakes. Uh, it cost me gasoline money uh, for pre-arrangements. I, I'm also ADA disabled uh, on independent living, and uh, I'm not at liberty to say what that disability is, but I uh, am an independent free citizen and uh, called for accommodations because all of the HUD programs, the homeownership programs, I'm sure you're, you're somewhat familiar with this, uh, with the mortgage crisis, as well as probably not so familiar with the, the rental, uh, uh, lease rental voucher programs through the HUD program headquarters, uh, through all of their district offices nationwide. They are full. Even the emergency programs have got years of waiting lists. Okay. Uh, I made arrangements uh, to reside at a, a particular motel, and uh, uh, upon making those arrangements, I called long distance. I said that I wanted to reside there for a year or more, that I am handicapped, I'm on independent living, uh, uh, and, and that, uh, but that I have years of rent uh, leases, and uh, I want to sign a, a regular rental contract to establish residence there, of course, uh, in that town in Wyoming. And you had and called, who, wait, hold on a second, point of clarification, okay. you'd called whom? The government? No, no, I called the host of the motel because, uh, and I had even told him, too, that, that all, of the, all of the HUD programs nationwide are full. So what They've were got you... years of waiting list. Right, hmm. so what was the, I don't understand, you, you were trying to... Well, what had occurred, what had occurred was that two months after I resided there, now you think of Wyoming with the cowboy hats and the yeehaw okay. uh, out on the range, but things got so bad there, and I mean really bad, stomping on floors, there were things that took place at that motel that I brought to the attention of the host. I never assaulted anybody. Nothing happened. And uh, he did nothing. And two months after I was residing there, he gave me two days. Even though I was paying 30 days at a time for my lease rent, he gave me two days to get off his property. And, and he had the backing. And with the backing of the governing authorities, if he decided to call them, they could have me uh, under uh, what's called their, their public municipal code taken off the property just yeah. like that. Even though your rent was paid and fined. Whatever they felt like doing, even though without warrant, without probable cause, even though your rent was paid and he hadn't refunded the rent, 
No, no, and that's the thing. When it was when my my rent hit was coming up to be renewed the next month. He gave me two days' notice to get off his property. Was there a lease? I mean, did you have a lease with this guy? No, I had. I had tried. Well, you don't have a lease, then he can do whatever he wants, my friend. And uh, next time, well, he can't consider, steal your money. Next time, what's that, Mark? Can't steal your money. Thank you for the call tonight, by the way. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Well, that much is true. Uh, but it sounds like he said his rent was coming up for the next month, and he was told he had two days left. So you don't get into a lease, anything can happen. And I don't, I'm not sure what registering to vote had to do with that. More coming out. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call if you make it right now at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is that you buy, there are over 41 categories to shop in, including used items. So load up your cart, get the stuff you need, get a great deal, free super saver shipping, a whole lot of items, and feel good because a percentage of your purchase is going to Free Talk Live. If you enter through amazon.freetalklive.com as we continue with your calls about what you want. It's David in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. Hey, greetings. Hey. Uh, is this Ian? Yes, it is. And what's on your mind, Dave? Mark's here, too. Yeah, not too bad. You know, I uh, I study economics. I'm, I'm a, I've hated the very concept of money for many, many years and mm. have studied it thoroughly and looked at how, in a bad economy, what people have needed to do to survive, much less to thrive. And I don't know, are you familiar with uh, Moses' Law of Jubilee? I am not, Mark. Oh man, doesn't this have something to do with forgiving people um, every something amount of years? Yeah, it, forgiving debts. Okay. Uh, Katrina is pro- Katrina is probably the best example of why you would want to have a jubilee. But uh, economic fraud is also a great one. But say, for example, if we just looked at Katrina, the insurance companies, as uh, as you probably know, many of the people that were devastated down in uh, Katrina didn't even get their insurance companies to pay off because of what are called acts of God. And right. so uh, if rising water would be considered an act of God as opposed to the winds tearing apart your roof and, and uh, structure your building. Right. If you had wind damage, you'd be okay, but a rising water would be considered an act of God. And so Unless you had flood ins- damage. Yeah, and so as far as the, the insurance companies are concerned, acts of God are something that they don't have to pay off. Well, what they're dealing with is actually a part of Jubilee. And so forgiving debts is, um, is an aspect that, um, that the financial masters like to take advantage of if it's forgiving their debts. But uh, if it comes down to forgiving your debts, well, that's a whole different story. So if you had a 30-year mortgage on your house and you got devastated and the insurance company didn't have to pay off, you hypothetically are still obligated to finish paying off your 30-year debt. Sure, it's true. Yeah, so so as far as Moses was concerned, money was uh, a creation of man, not not a creation of God. And um, only uh, creations of God can have children, but interest rates are considered money-having children. And so uh, his whole usury laws were based on the idea that money is not only a uh, a fake that's created by humans, but for uh, money to have children, 
is actually an abomination to God, and that the very concept... So in- interest is an abomination to God. Yeah, and actually... Now, hold on. Be- at- before you go on, um, if, I, if you need some money and I loan you that money, don't I, have, don't I deserve to be compensated for that loaning of the money? Well, you know, in, in historical terms, what they would do is they'd pay you off and then they'd have a festival for you or a feast or some kind of, you know, uh, gratitude. They would, they would uh, you know, ha- invite all your neighbors. What if I'm not interested in a party, though? Yeah, you're not hungry. <laughs> well, uh, in, in... Then, then you're not going to get loaned your money own. is the answer. See, interest is a, is a motivation for people to loan money. Now, what if I loaned you your, your money to build your house? I, maybe it's my whole savings. I believe in you. I think you're going to build your house. You're going to do a great job. An act of God comes along, and then you have no house left. Should you not be obligated to pay me for my life savings that I've given to you to build your house? Shouldn't there be an obligation that, I mean, I'm not whole anymore. Well, that's where an act of God comes in, and you're devastated also by that act of God. So, you know, you're not, not devastated, though. You didn't put in nearly what I did. I put $200,000 um, in on this house. Your hard work is um, maybe lost, but you, don't, you aren't $2,000, $200,000 to the red. You see, the problem here is fiat currency, not money. The fact that the government creates money out of thin air and then allows banks essentially to create their money out of thin air, they don't have the same stake in it that you and I would because we earn our money with our blood, our sweat, and our tears. The banks, they, right, that's where they, the interest they, comes from. they create money out with a signature through the Federal Reserve. And so that's what it is that you hate, not money. Well, no, I, I understand the difference between specie and fiat. I mean, there's and, and as far as I, I really live by the laws of physics and the laws of nature, and, you know, if you look at the laws of physics and nature, for every action there's a separate but equal reaction, and there's not profit over a separate but equal reaction. I don't know what that means. Well, in other words, that's that's where Moses was talking about um, that, that interest rates and and um, and money having children is an abomination He's, he's well, he's a guy who's a character in an old book. I mean, it, you know, there's he's just a character in an old book of fiction. So it really doesn't really. I don't think no. he, what he has to say is in any way relevant. I mean, I, I'm with Mark on this. I mean, if you loan somebody something, whether it's uh, you know gold or your you know your car or whatever it is that you loan that person for whatever reason, I mean, you deserve to get paid back. That was the part of the deal. Interest I mean, is, is what um, create, you know, causes houses to be created and that kind of thing. Otherwise, you have to have all the money yourself. It's incentive. Well, I understand I mean. that. And, and see, this is where you know, some, an, an example like Katrina is, is so, so clear. Because there are any number of different reasons why Katrina is not an act of God, but, but more an act of bad economic policy or bad uh, environmental policy. So, for example, if you looked at one of Bush's first acts, uh, when he was sworn in in January of 2001, his, one of his first acts was to change the wetlands policy. And so he essentially said that swampland is no longer swampland and that any real estate developer can build in swampland. Well, what that demanded was that the Corps of Engineers had to build higher levees all across America to make sure that that swampland didn't flood and that Americans were now uh, taking on the risk of anybody that lived in that swampland and that we would have to pay them back or the insurance companies would have to pay them back. Now, if you look at Moses and the laws of physics, you know, the, the essentially 
water is going to try to reach its lowest level. Sure, sure. And, well, this is a failure well, of government. Right, that that's a failure about. of government. The, George Bush, with the stroke of his pen, couldn't make swampland good land, and there's no way for that to happen. And an, an insurance company shouldn't be required by, usually by state mandate, not uh, federal mandate, to cover everybody equally. If you're building your house in swampland, or in the case of uh, some pl- areas of New Orleans, uh, ben- ten, 10 feet beneath sea level, well, then you don't deserve the same kind of rates that I get where my house is on the side of a mountain. David, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. You know, I liked your point, Mark, and I'm glad you brought it up, the clarification that all of his concerns about interest really are based on the fiat money system where it's created, this money is created from the idea of debt. And in order to create more money to pay those interest rates, you are are essentially creating more debt. Uh, Well, don't forget that uh, interest might be considered usury. This is an old sort of medieval and and back... uh, a philosophy that well look look when progress started you know um progress didn't start until p- there were really loans out there for business to get uh moving yeah otherwise how do you get your hands on the capital if right you- because then uh, the only only the people that ha- can have ideas are the people that have money now people that have ideas can go out and borrow on risk. their good credit yeah. in the hopes of paying it off at whatever rate that they pay it off and as long as i mean th- theoretically at least from my understanding in the free marketplace as long as that person if we have real money, like gold and silver value-backed currency, then you can add to that money supply as more work is done, literally ch- you know, chopping it out of the earth, literally pulling gold. You have to put work into creating that money. It's not just waving a magic wand and adding some numbers to uh, an account, a bank account, that don't really exist, which is what we have with the government fiat system today, where the banks literally just create money from thin air. You really have to put work into putting that new money into circulation, and so that's would seem to me where those interest payments would come from. If you're really out there creating a valuable product or service, you'll be rewarded for that, and you'll be able to pay the you'll be able to pay off your debt. So no problem. Let's continue here and talk to Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live on the Ampline. Hello, Matt. Hey guys. Hey, Interesting what's, conversation. What's on your mind? But I called to uh, explain. A little bit about Georgia and Russia and Estentia. Great. You've got 40 seconds to do it. (laughs) Go. (laughs) All right. Georgia uh, split off from the USSR, and Russia and Georgia are now their own separate entities. And now Estentia wants to split off from Georgia. Georgia didn't like that. Georgia went after Estentia, started fighting them, and Russia came in to defend Estentia. It's tantamount to New Hampshire breaking off and then Keene saying, well, we want to make our own state. So New Hampshire attacks Keene and then the United States comes to save Keene. As far as I'm concerned, uh, people have the right to secede. And if they want to secede in mass from a, an organization, that would be at uh, Georgia, Russia, or the United States. They should be able they to. They should be. Right, thank, thank you, you for the, the quick summary. We appreciate it. And we'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.